Welcome to Healing Your Families. I'm Emmalou Penrod and I help you as a parent go from frustration, stress, and overwhelm to calm, confidence, and joy so you can achieve the quality of family life that you desire. I'm excited today to have a special guest. This is Dr. Cheryl Acoli and she's another show host on our Win-Win Women platform. And she is, her show is The Dancing Negotiator. I love it because there's a lot of negotiation going on in a family. But today our topic is bullying. So, Dr. Cheryl, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. And could you tell us a little bit about your background, your credentials, and what you do? Sure. So I'm Dr. Cheryl Lacoli, DHA, and I like to add a DHA because a DHA means a doctor of health administration. So think of me as a doctor for your health care administration needs, the business of healthcare. So some of the things I love to do is I do provide consultation services for individuals, clients, in leadership levels or individuals who require anything to do with strategic management organization development but i also like to talk about conflict i'm a conflict resolution coach as well yeah and i think that is a very high stress profession mm -hmm. and i would think that there could be some conflict to have to deal with Absolutely. But the question is, is it good or bad conflict? <laughs> I'm a firm believer we need to differentiate whether the conflict is constructive or destructive. <laughs> That's true. And you know, I see analogies with families. There's a lot of stress and conflict in families. And so I, I, I've listened to your show. I know a lot of the principles apply to families as well. That's right. So is bullying a problem on the job in the healthcare? Absolutely. And you know, the saddest thing is sometimes it's very covert. If you do not know what bullying is, you'll be surprised how rampant it is in the healthcare. Because for example, people don't even know that things like gossip is bullying. Things like excluding someone from a meeting, from a discussion, sabotaging them you know these are all parts of bullying types of bullying and also like on the job yeah you might be you might have an assignment allocated to you then all of a sudden your workload increases without being informed about it and again with bullying the caveat is this though it's usually defined as a repetitive behavior so it usually happens more than once for it to be classified as bullying so yeah, so bullying is rampant in healthcare industries, rampant in all industries, but the key is, do you have the eyes to recognize it? Do you have the courage to address it? Either when you yourself is a recipient or whether you observe a bullying behavior. Because honestly, if you observe a bullying behavior and you do not interfere or intervene or report it, you yourself could be deemed an accomplice. You really could be. Well, that makes sense. I think in any setting, yeah. You're aware that it's happening and you remain silent yeah. or you're also intimidated. I know there's always that thought in schools of, well, if I try to intervene, then they'll start picking on me. 
and yet it takes one person. And you also made a good point. So it's not necessarily a single incident, but it's more a pattern. Of All right. But the good news is this, or rather what I advise people, once you recognize it, the first instance it happens, nip it in the bud. So there won't be a second time. But the reality is that there are some people who, like you rightly said, if they witness something and they go to defend the other person, they fear that they might become a victim. That is a true fear. It's a valid fear, but it's no justification for A, either if you don't feel comfortable reporting to somebody who maybe might be in a supervisory role. So in the school setting, like you said, you can report to a teacher or someone else in authority to come intervene. If you yourself feel it, you cannot do something personally. Rather than confront them face to face, just at least reporting it. And now you also describe how to recognize it. So it sounds like it's any action that is intended to belittle someone or undermine them or keep them from their job, doing their job, right? Yes. Progressing. Yes. Yeah. So there's a trajectory of bullying. So if you want to talk, so when you mentioned job, so if we say in the work setting, for instance, Bullying could be anything, like I said, excluding someone from meetings, excluding someone from conversation, excluding, excluding them from social activities. Sabotage could be, for example, you have, you know, like in this world where we have uh, budgetary constraints. So let's say this, there's scarce resources, right? So you know that a certain department doesn't have a certain resource, but you need to work with them. Sabotage could be, oh, not telling them they've changed the IT technology or just having a presentation and you do something, the power goes off. You know what I mean? So that's sabotage, right? So it comes in different shapes and forms. So there's the so quote unquote, the little acts of bullying to the more destructive, wicked kind of bullying. So gossip and slander, these are examples of bullying. When you assassinate someone's character, that is really on the vengeful side of things. So for example, there are these authors by the name of Tripp and Bommel. They expanded a model that has to do with conflict resolution strategies, like for example, collaboration, avoidance, accommodation, competition, and there's one more there, but they felt that wasn't sufficient when it comes to destructive, vengeful behaviors. So they were the ones who expanded that Thomas Kilman model to include blocking, sabotage, and exclusion, right? So when you think about it, if you can reflect, and I hope, I shouldn't assume, I really hope you had a healthy work environment, a psychological safe environment where you are. I really hope you did. And um, if you did, you may not have recognized or been a recipient of excluding, um, blocking, and sabotage. But that happens. It's not just relegated to I like to say the sandbox because people think really bullying happens in the workplace. It absolutely happens. And the key is again, do you have the eyes to recognize it? Because it takes a little different form. It's not so much the physical, like on the school playground where people are punching you or pushing you over and reset. No, like, so it takes a little bit more subtle 
sometimes overt, but when I go back to the assassination of character, sorry. So one person who may not like you or feel threatened by you says one negative thing to somebody else. Now, depending on the person they share it with, depending on their character, they can either keep it to themselves or the whole Chinese whisper, if you will, right? They just tell to the next person, it's the whole ripple effect, right? So that begins a train, a trajectory of basically breaking down one's reputation. And what is the consequence? What are the consequences? Number one, it could be when it comes for times for promotion, for instance, the manager or whoever, senior management, have heard whispers from other parties without verifying it. They take it as gospel. And what does that happen? The person doesn't get a chance to either be promoted or given some project that can widen their skills or challenge them. So it has a very detrimental effect if it's not nipped in the bud. It sounds like there it's the intent. The intent is to stop someone else from progressing, from doing well. It's to drive them out, maybe to encourage them to resign. Yes, exactly. But then again, when I stop and think about it, why do they feel so threatened by that individual that some individuals resort to such destructive behaviors? So when it's said and done, I honestly believe, in my humble opinion, <laughs> people that bully other people, they seriously have issues either it's mental, emotional, spiritual issues, because really, why would you want to attack someone? Think of it in the animal kingdom, right? Usually, the most colorful insects, like maybe the yellow and the black ones, sometimes are the most dangerous ones. And usually in the animal kingdom, again, they strike when they feel a foreign organism and a foreign animal is a threat to them. That's when they will strike. But normally they wouldn't. So when you transfer it into a work setting, people who bully people for whatever reason, I believe they're insecure in themselves. They can't handle someone else progressing. It could be, who are you to progress before me? Who are you to get that promotion? And then they start attacking. So it could be threats, perceived threats, be it false or actual, jealousy, and a whole list of things only they themselves can answer. Well, yeah. I, I totally agree with you with you on that one in all arenas. I you know, I've heard the quote, people who are hurt, you know, hurt people hurt people. That's you, right. You don't feel that need to lash out at someone else unless you're really hurting inside. Exactly. And and I know for parents if they're concerned because they see bullying behavior, their child engaging in bullying behavior. Maybe it's time to get a better understanding of how they feel about themselves. Maybe it's time to help them bolster their confidence, help them increase their self-esteem. I, I absolutely agree yeah. that a person who would engage in bullying behavior has issues that need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when you bring it to the family, sometimes children mimic what they see in their environment. So if a child is being bullied in school, I think, and off the top of my head, I'm just going to say there might be two or three reasons for that. One could be, sadly, they're just in the wrong place. Someone just decides to be mean. Secondly, 
if they're being bullied, it could be maybe they are doing something. I'm not saying bullying is ever justified. Please mark my words. I believe bullying is never justified, no matter what someone does. It's never justified. But someone, it's funny we're having this conversation because I had this conversation recently about a week or two ago. Someone talking about the cause and effect. That is why it's being bullied. It's, there must have been a cause that triggered it. I do not align with that school of thought. I choose not to go there because if that's the case, it makes it sound like there's a justification for someone to be bullied. But going back to children, sometimes they make what they see. So the bully in schools, bullying other people, maybe unbeknownst to everyone else in that school environment, either they're witnessing someone in their own family being bullied. It could be a parent bullying their other parent. It could be siblings bullying each other, cousins and so forth. And they're just repeating a behavior they've seen in the school setting. Or it could be a cry for help. I mean, you, you said you're a high school teacher or was a high school teacher. So you can, I'm sure there's a list of myriad of things that could constitute why individuals bully people in the school environment. Oh yes, oh yes. And now, and a lot of it is exactly what you said. It's that insecurity. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have a learning disability and they see everyone else is just picking it up like this. Mm -hmm. They're just not getting it. Well, it's, it's, much more, it's much more cool to be labeled a behavior problem than a slow mm -hmm. student. Mm, I see. Oh, dear. Those labels. That's another thing, labeling. Labeling is not, a, not one of the best things to do to a child or to an adult. Now, depending on the kind of labeling, that could be a bullying behavior, believe it or not. <laughs> yes, I, I believe it. Yeah. And now, so how would you, in the workplace and also in the home, how would you make sure that you're not indulging in any bullying behavior? I know that respect is key. Yeah. I'm assuming the same is true in the workplace. Absolutely. So, okay. How would you ensure you don't be a partaker of bully? Be the bully, the one bullying others? Is that a question? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I'm a firm believer in number one, two things. First is people's characters are their characters. There's some things that cannot be changed. It can be controlled. So what I'm trying to say is this. There's some people who are, and forgive me for saying this, but I inherently bullies. In the work environment, there's actually something called a toxic tr leadership triangle or something to that effect. So the triangle, so usually there's a top and two other points. So if the leader, main leader is a bully, do you think bullies work by themselves? Usually no, they have their, for lack of a better word, I have to throw in some humor, they have their minions. And they constitute that toxic triangle. So as long as that person, the leadership role is a bully and nothing has been done about it, do not expect the environment to be clean or healthy. So you need to deal with the issue. So going back to the work environment on your question, I'm a firm believer in two things. So yes, if you're inherently a bully, it's going to be really hard. You can change. But for individuals like that, my experience has been, takes a lot, either maybe a warning or a threat that you might be suspended, disciplined, or terminated for them to change their behavior, or to take a miracle. But for those people to guard against bullying, there are policies in the workplace. You're absolutely, absolutely right about the whole respect thing. But 
not everyone understands the word respect. Not everyone sees the concept of respect the same. Hence, why we have policies to guide us, to define what is what, right? So I think a guard proof for organizations, and especially here in Canada anyways, and I believe in the United States, similar principles are the same. You do have a work and, uh, work and health safety department, and there are policies, and there are labor laws that also constitute all this psychological safety and policies, right? So if every individual employee, not just at orientation, has a module addressing respect in the workplace, preventing bullying, harassment, and discrimination in the workplace, it's wanted to just to take the test, just to take it off, or they've conducted that annual module, if you will. But what about in actual practice? Are staff or employees asked from time to time, is there any bullying taking place? And do they feel secure enough to raise up their hand and say, yes, I have been bullied or I have witnessed someone being bullied without fear of being penalized, ostracized, mortified, you name it, any fight you wanna to add to the word, right? So to guard people from being bullies, really it's just coming to, let's come down to the, basic human level. How do you want to be treated? Yeah. The, other thing, the other thing too, though, is sadly, some people cannot see their blind spots. And it takes someone else to point it out to them. I want to go back to something you said earlier. You said it's just part of who they are. Now, that makes me think of, you know, personality styles. And there is that one personality style. I I like to use the cartoon characters of the Peanuts gang to help. Okay. <laughs> Remember Lucy? She loves. Yeah. She wants yes. to make the decisions. She wants to organize <laughs> things and people. Yeah. So are you saying that if someone has that that you know that hard driving, we've got a goal, we're going to reach it and they start to value completing the project over the feelings of their co-workers. So are you saying that, that sometimes if there's that personality, you, is that what you mean? Is that no, that, that's not what I was saying, but now that you bring it up, we can explore that. So yes, there is a potential if you have a dominating personality, your driver, some might call you a slave driver. We, the key is we need all kinds of personalities in the workplace. Yes. We really do. You do need someone to take charge personally. Exactly. But the question is, how do you do it? Do you do it in a fashion that you bulldoze people underneath you? Do you do it in such a fashion that you're not working at your own pace? Don't get me wrong. Some people are slow like snails or the tortoises, right? But... Even the snail and the tortoise or turtle, that's their nature, but they have their own strengths. So how do you balance the person who maybe is not working as fast as you want them to work? There comes a point in time, if you truly value that person and you think that person is of value to your team, you have to find a middle ground. So individuals that are dominating, the risk is they can be perceived as a bully. Doesn't necessarily mean they are, unless they do those destructive behaviors that I kind of alluded to. Surely the list I gave is not exhaustive, right? I, I know I've worked with very effective yeah. leaders 
who were very compassionate. You know, they, yep. they let me know that they cared about me. They yes. wanted me to be successful. It was a joy to work for them. Yeah. So I, I agree. They don't, it's, it's how you use that leadership. Exactly. How you lead people. Because the key in leadership is who is following you? How do you influence people? Just because you have a title or a role that's leadership, let me go back to the title, doesn't really make you a leader. Mm -hmm. It does not. Just because you have that job description doesn't make you a leader. Who is following you? Where's the impact? Do the people feel they can come to you? They trust you? You're approachable? Do they feel like if they talk to you, you're not going to repeat or break confidences? Right? So yeah, so those are some of the thoughts that come to mind. Yeah. And again, in any setting, in the classroom, in the home, it's that that influence. I like the I like the the idea of a servant leader, someone yeah. who is leading by serving others, caring about others. Exactly. And and they will have a greater influence. You also mentioned that the, the minions, the collaboration. <laughs> when they form that little, you called it a triad. Can you explain that just a little bit more? Okay, so um, it's called, I know there are three words to it. I believe it's, well, for sure, toxic and leadership. There's a third word in the middle, I'm having a hard time recollecting now, but I believe it's called a toxic leadership, leader triangle or something to that effect. So the key is this, again, sadly, if you have a main leader who exhibits bullying behavior, they look for people like-minded. Or if they're not like-minded, people they can influence to come over to the dark side. So when you hear concepts like this person's in or this person's out, sometimes that's code words and it's actually documented in the research. Those are code for in means you're part of the circle we're going to support this person. We're going to invite this person. And the out group, they're the ones that are excluded. They're the ones that experience a sabotage. You know? In the classroom. I'm blocked. All the time. <laughs> yeah, sadly. Very, very sad. Yes. Yeah. So the key in disintegrating that toxic leadership triangle or try it however you want to describe it in whatever setting you find yourself is to address the leader at the top. So that's why in the workplace, it's not just a matter of teams go for workshops on how to build your teams. It has to start at the top senior leadership level, at the board level. Because when you think about big organizations, the job of the board is to oversee and govern organizations. So usually, so let's try and create a little bit of hierarchy from top to the bottom. So you have like the board, then you have like the CEO, and then the CEO recruits their directors, if you will, or fellow CEOs. And then managers report to the director levels, the front lines report to the managers, and then you have the employees. This is just a rough thing, right? So look at how many steps of where you need to ensure that each person is practicing respectful leadership practicing a safe psychological environment. You can't just say, no, just the employees. We need to empower the employees. But are you displaying the same behavior you expect of the people reporting to you? In the families, yeah, go ahead. Right on. Yeah. Okay, so in the same thing in the families. So in the, in the families. So let me paint the picture of a healthy family. When I say a healthy nuclear family, 
mother and father and their children. Let's say they have two or four kids, four kids, okay. So each of those four kids, kids have their own personalities. They see things from different lenses. They could all witness the same event, but if you ask each child, they'll tell a different angle, slightly different. It's not that you're skewing the truth or stretching the truth. It's just the way they perceive it, just the angle point, right? Now, if mom and dad are not exhibiting what they expect from the children, what do they expect? Either the children will emulate the negative behaviors from parents, emulate it from TV, from schools, from other unhealthy sources, right? So the mother and father need to exhibit what they expect your children to display. So when you hear things like sometimes parents say, um, do as I say, know what as I do, that can sound a little bit hypocritical, right? It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Because kids, children remember, when you think they're not listening, they are listening, you know? Oh, they're watching you. They are definitely watching you and they are learning from everything you say and do. Exactly. Yeah. It reminds me of an ad I watched actually. Um, it was of a different culture from an Asian culture. Um, I don't understand. Well, East Indian culture. And basically, and this is not a slight on any culture. It's just a different ethnic background culture. But what it was showing, it was an ad teaching people about breaking domestic violence. And what the ad showed was um, two couples gathered together in a living room. Their children were playing marriage. And then one of the little boys said to the girl, oh yeah, yeah whenever I come back from work, you have to make sure you cook for me, make sure you cook for me. And then if you don't listen, I'm gonna beat you. And then there was silence in the room. One of the couples, they looked at each other and just hung their heads. They were sharing what was happening behind closed doors. And that was powerful enough for them to like, well, the moral of the ad was, children are watching, change your behavior kind of thing, right? So yeah, so again, bullying behaviors. Where So if a child is bullying, like you said, in school setting, maybe they might have behavioral problems. It could be that they can't control their emotions, their frontal temporal lobe, the executive function is limited, is hampered, right? Based on some pathology going on. But for those who don't have that to explain those behaviors, they're picking it up from somewhere or that is their last cry for help, attention seeking. Yeah, yeah. So again, going back to, if you have that hard driving personality, then if you can temper it, with taking time to think about how others feel and again in all settings and focusing on on people you know, remembering that people are more important than things sorry could you forgive me sorry and the parents in the home following because they set the example of they're treating each other with respect if they're treating their children with respect and, and children, of course, need to be instructed and taught, yeah. but it can be done with respect. That's right. That's right. Um, just because they're little and small buddies, I mean, they don't have feelings. <laughs> Doesn't mean they're not worthy of respect as well. I can testify a few times. Amazing things I've learned from my little nieces and nephews when they were so little. To the point that it stayed with me all this while in the sense that you can learn things from children. So 
again, just because they're small, <laughs> they don't have decision-making power, doesn't mean you can't learn something from them. I mean, don't get me wrong, there comes a time when you need to discipline them. And the key, the key is how do you discipline them, right? But before we continue, I just wanted to say something. I just feel like I really need to share this. Even though I use that example of the East Indian family, I want to make it clear that domestic violence happens across cultures. It's not unique to one ethnic background is just displayed differently. Just like I said, bullying can be covert. Well, in the North American culture, bullying, if it's not someone hitting someone, it could be financial abuse. It could be some other shape or form, but bullying is bullying, regardless of culture. So I just thought I should say that. <laughs> I'm glad you did. And, and I'm glad you specified overt and covert. So overt would be, you can, bullying at school your child comes home with bruises and a bloody nose you know you can see it yeah. or in the workplace maybe it's one and a supervisor shouting you know just in front of the of their peers dressing down a worker unnecessarily yeah with the intent with the intent to shame and humiliate it's obvious overt and then there are the subtle yes that affect not so much the body as the mind and emotions. That's right, the emotions, the one that takes forever to heal. Yes. A very, very long time to heal, that's right. To the point that if it's not healed, people can move on. That kind of trauma, any bullying, be it the physical that hurts, you see the bruises, like you said, that will hurt, but it does heal, hopefully, if it's not extremely severe, but my point is the bruises disappear with time. The scars, depending on the severity, may or may not be evident. When it comes to the emotional and the spiritual kind of wounds in terms of bullying, financial, sexual, you name it, those ah, take a while. And again, the individual is different. How fast they heal from those traumatic experiences. Sometimes canceling helps. Sometimes it doesn't because it doesn't get to the root of the issue. So, yeah. Okay. Now, I love how we've talked about being able to recognize bullying, being no, recognizing when it's happening and accepting your responsibility to stop it, to intervene for someone else or for yourself. Because in this workplace scenario you've described, if an individual recognized they were bullying and simply quit and left, no one benefits. So, sorry, you said the person was bullying others or was the bully? No, no. If someone recognizes they're being bullied, ah. they, they recognize every time I schedule to do, I'm scheduled to give a presentation, somehow the power goes off or... <laughs> You know, are they held meetings without telling me about it? I'm being excluded. If they do nothing, if they just accept it and resign, then in my mind, they would take that mindset with them to the next job. Mm -hmm. They could. They not solve the problem. Good point, but there are two ways to look at that. There comes a point in time when you ask yourself, how worth it is it? Is the environment I find myself oh, yeah. 
Yeah, the environment I find myself and all these things I'm experiencing, is it worth my sanity? Is it worth my family getting a phone call one day and hearing, oh, we're so sorry to tell you, but so-so-and-so has passed on. Or I'm so sorry to tell you, but so-so-and-so took your life. So you have, like, because some people do sadly succumb to taking their lives because they're They've been bullied so much, they couldn't open their mouth. So you have to assess yourself. Where I am right now, this work I'm doing, is it so fulfilling for me that I, I feel like I'm providing value and I'm receiving value that I need to stay, speak up? Are there chances of this ever changing? Or no, this is not gonna ever change. Maybe it's best for me to just pack up and leave. Because the reality is when you report bullying, again, depending on how safe your work environment is, if it's a psychologically safe environment, do you have things like the whistleblowing policy? If it's a healthy environment, you should feel comfortable reporting bullying without any fear of repercussions whatsoever. Thank you so much for making that distinction. And again, it applies in any situation and some yeah. cases it is time to withdraw from that school and find a better one it is time to yeah. break a you know family ties if and i but you pointed out you go through the process you try reporting it if that is not productive if you are in a family relationship that is so toxic your yep. basic needs are totally overlooked and discounted, then it is time to cut your losses. And, and I know yeah. many young people who intentionally take a job 2,000 <laughs> miles from home yeah. 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 for their self-preservation. That's right. That's a keyword self-preservation. And that's sad. But the truth is one needs to use wisdom. So in the family setting, it can be hard because depending on if you're a dependent. So let's say your child, your teen, you have no other means of supporting yourself other than your parents or whoever the authority figure is in that unsafe environment. People have to, they do weigh the consequences. Some might say, no, I've had it, I'm done. I'm throwing in the towel, I'm getting out of here. I'll rather sleep on the, sleep, on the streets than remain there. And some might be like, you know what? Ah, maybe I can find someone I can confide in in this community. For some people it could be their church, it could be maybe a teacher, a principal. But then again, do they feel comfortable, bold enough to share their private lives? Because there are feelings of shame that goes with people who have been bullied or been bullied. Because sadly, some people think there must be something wrong with me that I deserve to be bullied or there's a reason why they're picking on me. But one thing I've said before in, a, in one of my shows was this. I invite people to reset that mindset. What is so special about you or about me that they feel it's okay to do that? What is it maybe that's hidden within you that you do not see, <laughs> but they see it and that's what they're feeling threatened or jealous about? Perhaps you should stop and take some introspective moments. 
Because there's got because no one really attacks what they do not think is a threat. Don't get me wrong, there's positive and negative threats, depending on how you look at it, right? So what is it that they find threatening? And that's a paradigm shift for sure. <laughs> a big it one. It is, it is. And I know from my observation as a school teacher, mm-hmm. sometimes the threat is nothing more than they're different. They're not like me. And, and for some reason, that's threatening. We've talked about some pretty extreme cases, but I'd love to go into, again, my observation as a school teacher is that students respond differently. Um, they, for example, teasing. Sometimes that teasing can become bullying if it's mm-hmm. done with a cruel yeah. intention. If someone is trying to get an emotional response but i've seen some cases where students are able to just shrug it off or just laugh with laugh with everybody and others where that little bit of teasing just totally devastates them they're just they feel terrible so so i'm glad you brought that up so a few things come to mind with those individuals um, I don't know if you're familiar with the five love languages by a gentleman psychologist called Mr. Gary Chapman. Yes. So for those individuals that a little bit of teasing might cut to them, some might say maybe your primary love language is words of affirmation. To the extent that any words that is negative will cut them. Some might say, I'm not saying that's the case, right? And of course, you've probably heard um, the nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, my words may never harm me. That's very false, <laughs> very false, regardless of your personality. Words stay with you. You've also heard too that no matter the number of positive things you hear, if you hear, hear one negative criticism or however, be constructive or whatever, that's the one thing that replaces your mind for, keeps going on and on and on, right? So yeah, so for those kids in the, that are sensitive, Again, I don't even want to define them as sensitive because teasing is not right, right? Some people process things differently. And again, depending on one's maybe cultural backgrounds, family backgrounds, the way they communicate at home may be different from how the kids are responding to them or communicating with them. But if it's teasing, one might say define teasing. <laughs> so, so again, it comes back to communication a little bit. So if someone comes and says to you, a child, oh, I'm being teased at school, it behooves whoever they're reporting to to say, tell me more about it. Listen and hear what they describe as teasing. Because it could be legitimate. It may not be. It may be maybe a slight misunderstanding or misperception of what was being said. But for the child that is actively bullying, uh, being teased, everyone is aware of that. I would like to make a suggestion that I would love for schools to adopt. So in Canada, for instance, the natural or the color for bullying is pink, anti-bullying. And not many people know this. So if we're teaching students in schools against bullying, could we have a code, a visual code 
if a child is being bullied or if you know someone that's been bullied and you don't feel comfortable sharing because you might feel like they'll be like, oh, they're telling tales, they're telling tales. Could you wear a collar? And not just once, but maybe let's say three times in one week. And that'll get someone's attention. Oh my goodness. It's almost like asking for help, right? Because you might have seen that hand signal. I think it goes like this or something like that, which is like a help, something like that. So yeah, so that's an idea. But the sad thing is we shouldn't have to go to visual codes or wearing codes. Well, you know, you mentioned that the policies mm -hmm. uh, and schools have policies and homes, mm -hmm. families can have that, that structure. This is in, in our family, we talk to each other with kindness. We don't call each other. Yeah. We, you know, we, we, we don't raise our voices unless it's an emergency. So there's, there's that structure, those guidelines that are taught and the expectation is that they are followed. But I also think that when someone who believes in themselves, in other words, they know they have worth, they know they have value, they know they're intelligent and capable. So if someone throws a taunt at them, they know it's not true. It would be like if I started to make fun of yeah. you because you're wearing a red blouse and you know <laughs> you're not wearing a red blouse. And you, just, you don't start thinking, what's wrong with me? You're thinking, what's wrong with Emma Lou? Does she have a vision problem? So when they have that, that when they're, when they have that strong belief in themselves, then it doesn't turn inward. They're more like thinking, what's his problem? Rather than internalizing it. And some of that is personality too. Some people, and as you said, some people are more sensitive. But my observation is, it is possible to, to really proof ourselves to be able to recognize this is what's going on. This person is attacking me. And as you pointed out, why is there something about me that's threatening to him? And then to identify, you know, that's his problem. Yeah. That isn't something I'm doing wrong. That's right. I, I can assure him that I mean him no ill harm. I, I, I'm not out after his job. But, you know, and, and, I, and I, do, I do agree that schools can make it, have a, a huge effect on the climate and make it so that everyone is, is taught to treat each other with respect and courtesy. But I'm thinking rather than trying to make the whole rest of the world safe, maybe we could instill in our children that strong sense of who they are. I agree a hundred percent. It all begins in the family and preferably I wish all families were healthy. So in a normal circumstance, in a healthy family, yes, it all begins in the family. I think mothers are heroines because well, fathers too, don't get me wrong, but it's just that way that mothers instill values and fathers too, but there's something different about how a woman 
relates to a child. You being a mother and have at least, I think about four children. Yes, right? So yes, so telling them that they're loved, instilling that healthy self-esteem within them. I agree with you, once you know who you are. So I remember someone mentioned that, okay, um, that um, people in school were saying negative things about them and they told their mom about it. And their mom said, is it true? And the person said, no, it's not. And it's like, so what is the problem? It's not true. And that stayed with that individual for decades. So no matter, as long as you're secure in who you are, you're absolutely right. As long as you're secure in who you are, what people say shouldn't shake you. It might hurt a little bit, but again, going back to your character, what is your character? The key is do not stoop down to their level to become what they are doing to you. Maintain your character. And it takes a healthy environment of a family to do that. And I love to, going back to what you said before, is recognize when you're in that situation where the cards are stacked against you and it's toxic and it's yeah. not thing. Yeah. Even though what they're saying isn't true, if that you've got that power triad there. Yeah, toxic triangle, toxic leadership triangle. Yeah. Yes. Then maybe it's it, maybe it's time to find a a better environment a health but a good but a good thing though one thing i will say going back thanks for bringing that up is even if you do leave report it yes report, have it documented in one shape or form now if the people you report to don't do anything with it that's on them you've done what's within your power and don't be surprised even if they don't do anything in your favor and you end up leaving, I bet you 100% they will pay attention and change things. Sadly, you may not have benefited from it. You might have been the scapegoat, but other people coming after you will have a little bit of a different experience because I believe they will look into it in one shape or the other. They just, in the workplace, they just get a little bit threatened about lawsuits, right? Because bullying, a true bullying complaint that's proven, is expensive for the organization in terms of money and reputation. So no one wants to deal with that. So that's why some people are scared, like, oh my goodness, what if he drags them for years in the courts? So some of those things make people not want to go ahead and report. But I, my advice is always report it. The first instance you see or detect, be it subtle or co covert or covert or overt, stop it. Even on the, like there's a there's an ad. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. It's like stop. Get your own sandwich <laughs> in the school setting. So in the workplace, stand up to them. It's hard, but say stop because really, what your supervisors will ask you will be, did you tell them to stop it? Because according to the algorithm, that's what you're supposed to do. If they don't listen, then you report it, right? Yes. So, yeah. so I think the key is empowering people to speak up. That's a, That should be the focus. And following the policy. Yes. And again, in any situation. Yes. Allowing doing nothing is being part of the problem. Yes. Yep. So always report it. Always, always, always. And please find a confidant. 
I really hope one can find a competent beat outside of work or within work or within your family or outside of family. I really hope people could have at least one person because that's a lot to carry. It's a lot to carry by oneself. It is, it is. And it would be wonderful if this were never a problem. And I liked what you said, you know, it, it, I think, I view families as the foundation of society. If we can get all families healthy, if we could get parents teaching by their example yeah. and treating their children with respect and treating others, you know, the children are watching mom and dad being honest and respectful and ethical That's right. and having goals and working towards them and being considerate of others and giving back the children learn, grow up with this and adopt it. And then it goes into the workforce. That's right. A ripple effect. Yes. Society. If we want a healthy society, like you said, it begins in the family. Yes. Yes. And these negotiating skills that you talk about in your show are so worthwhile, so beneficial. Thank you. <laughs> so do you want to take a few minutes and tell us about your show? Tell us some of the things that you talk about. And sure. Make sure you tell us when it is. Sure. Yeah. So I have a show privileged. Thanks to Win Win Women for giving me the honor and privilege to have this show called The Dancing Negotiator with Dr. Cheryl O'Coley. So as the name implies, all about conflict resolution, different styles of conflict resolution. I provide evidence-based frameworks as it pertains to whatever topic at hand. So it could be interpersonal relationships, the positive, the negative extremes. It could be analyzing a movie in terms of what conflict went wrong, the, how we could resolve it, ethical dilemmas. And yeah, so it's every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Mountain Time. I'll love for you to join me. And I always leave a show with a call to action of some sort. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. I'd love it. And so you mentioned your background in uh, hospital administration. So how long have you been involved in the Okay, good question. So I've been a healthcare practitioner for 19 years, in the healthcare field in different industries. So I graduated as of last year with my doctorate in health administration. So yeah. So, so but before that, I've been involved in conflict resolution workshops. And because my belief is, and my desire is to empower people to have healthy workplaces. And one of the ways you can do that is yes, through empowering them to deal with conflict effectively, but also how do you develop an organization? So there are different players. How do you employ effective strategic management, strategic planning, change management, risk management? So all of those factors, I'm a consultant for those avenues I mentioned to you. So anything to help your business in the healthcare field. And also you don't have to be in the healthcare field to partake of my services. You can find me at Cheryl at shalomeagleswings.care. That's my email because I care for you. <laughs> I love it. And you're on the same channel I am on. We're both on channel one. So they can find you just by going to winwinwomen.com. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. That's right. And I love your background. You not only have this expertise and training in human resources and people and interpersonal relationships, but you also have a medical background as well. I do. Yes, it's a very unique background, that's for sure. Yeah, so my foundation, I should say, is nursing. And nursing is very, very holistic. We look at things from all angles. We look at the physical, social, cultural, spiritual, emotional, right? So all those are excellent assets in the work I currently do as a consultant, as a health administration consultant. Yeah, and as my business owner as well. So, yeah. So dancing negotiator, negotiator, because I dance in, because I do love to dance and negotiation is like a dance. <laughs> Hence the message and the meaning behind the logo that you see before you. <laughs> I like it. I really like it. And, and I like that analogy with negotiating and dancing. It is in a healthy marriage, that relationship is like a gentle dance where there's some give and take maybe they take turns leaving that's right and that measure that's right and knowing each other's roles yes. no one is above each other or under each other is working side by side harnessing each other's harnessing and leveraging people's strengths and weaknesses yeah yes now mm -hmm. talk about the petition you are encouraging now this this applies to people in canada is that correct so yes because i'm canadian so basically this petition is born out of a desire of mine to empower and care for healthcare providers so just like we had talked about healthcare providers they come from families so sadly healthcare providers do experience bullying harassment, and they're burning out. So my petition is a plea for individuals who are like-minded, be it if you're in the healthcare industry, to help especially people in the administration, education, research, or the front lines, healthcare providers in those fields. The petition is to provide a retreat for these individuals. So it's not just a matter of a two-day, like a four-hour workshop. No, this is actual like three-day workshop in a beautiful picturesque area where they can have evidence-based classes to empower them. They'll have counseling because of the trauma, trauma they've gone through because bullying, harassment, and burnout are traumatic issues, right? So my petition is a plea to people, either if you're in the healthcare environment or you're not, or you're married to one or your family of one, a friend to please sign and share the petition. It's literally, if you were to type in Cheryl Coley petition on Google, it pops up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they can find it if they just Google your name. That's right. I just my name with a petition beside it. Yes. Okay. I think we can all agree that we have pushed our healthcare workers to the max. I think in every country in the world. Yep. And Sorry. at least in the United States, the current status, they're still understaffed. Yeah. They're still working long hours. Yeah. They're still, well, it, I think it's a stressful job to begin with. It is. But, and interest, mm -hmm, sorry, can you I was just gonna, with people panicking, you know, they're, they're just putting demands on them and it's rough. 
An interesting thing, this desire of mine was conceived in 2016. It evolved in 2018. And then between 2018 and now, you know what has happened globally. But now I feel the time is now. Again, with strategic management, strategic planning, there comes a point in time when there's a window of opportunity to run with a vision, run with a dream. And I believe the time is now to do something because we do not want our healthcare providers to burn out. And when I say burn out, we don't want them to be like throwing the towel, we're done. If they need to do that, maybe it's a new chapter for them, but I want us to link arms, to love on them, provide TLC for them, empower them to be positive change agents, to be refreshed, rejuvenated at this retreat, to go back to their current workplaces or perhaps future workplaces. If it's a new chapter, if they've been bullied, harassed, and they're like, you know what, it's not gonna change, maybe it's a new chapter but still give them the due respect and love and care they deserve in that retreat environment. It's a safe haven for them. I'm so glad you're doing this for healthcare workers. And I see too, other, you know, teachers, actually truckers. I'm watching, you know, we just need to have a kinder world. Yes, indeed, indeed. That's right. They're, they're, we're placing so much stress on each other. I love that. Well, and I see that as our mission too with Win Win Women, that we want to lift each other. We're, we're helping unite the women of the world. Let's learn from each other. Let's lift each other up, ease each other's burdens, because we all have a lot to, do, to deal with and, and, and learn from each other. And that's what I love about these shows. There's such a wide variety of beautiful, help, helpful topics, just about any subject you can imagine. Absolutely. You'll find an expert that you can learn from. That's absolutely true. And I so much have enjoyed talking to you, Cheryl, and learning more about your background, my goodness, your expertise, and everything you've been able to share with us. It has been very helpful. Do you have any last words before we end? just want to say thank you for the opportunity and I commend you for the work you are doing too because I'm a strong believer, healthy families, healthy society. All right. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining. Come back again next week at the same time. We'll be continuing our series on confronting abuse, how we can protect our families, and how we can heal. We don't always have control over what happened to us as a child, but now as an adult, we can choose healing. There are a lot of shows that address that. Uh, be sure to go to my website, healingyourfamilies.com. Check out the services I have there. And until next week, remember to love yourself and love your family. This is Emily Penrod of HealingYourFamilies.com.